podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. Sydney, Sydney, Sydney. Where do we start? Should we start by talking about the Copa del Rey final? Should we start by talking about the La Liga title race? We'd love to, but we can't. We have to talk about the European Super League. Um, it's probably going to dominate the majority of today's podcast for uh, other more frivolous Spanish football uh, topics. Join us <laughs> for our Q&A pod tomorrow at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. We're going to answer uh, your questions. Yeah, and, but what and if they ask about the Super League only? Well, I hope they At least try and ask us some other things. Other things. But yeah, today, primarily... Uh, it feels like we have to dedicate a large chunk of today's podcast talking about the Super League. Um, Sydney is something that you've been investigating for a while. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there was always this possibility in the background. There has been for a very, very long time as a vague idea, then as a, a slightly more developed idea, not least as a means of pressuring UEFA, because of course. Um, we've said this before on numerous occasions when people talk about the inevitability of a Super League. You say, well, you've got one. That's what the Champions League is. And the reason that the Champions League got expanded, the reason why it became not just a European Cup was to satisfy the desires for um, greater revenue, to satisfy the desires of greater visibility of the biggest clubs, to enable the biggest leagues to have more representatives in it. And of course, what UEFA were about to discuss, in fact, have been discussing today, Hmm. um, was their own plans for a much, much bigger Champions League um, structure which would allow for more games between the bigger clubs and, and for example, remember interviewing Bartomeu the day after, the morning after Messi had um, scored, I think, twice when they beat Liverpool 3-0 and, of course, they, they oh, blew yeah. the second leg but it was the morning after that and he was euphoric yeah. and he was saying, look, one thing that can't happen is we can't wait another 10 years to play Liverpool again. We've got to be playing them every year. And obviously we had the discussion with him then about, but it's partly the scarcity that makes this feel special. It's the jeopardy of maybe being knocked out. It's not just, you know, turning it into a league. Although, of course, that was partly addressed by the fact that their idea was a a long league season with playoffs following it. But the idea was there. What makes this, I think, different? There are a number of reasons. One is, I think, the determination to actually force it through. Um, or at the very least to use it as such a serious threat that you basically get everything you want from UEFA. But I think it's more than that because I think there is a desire from some of those that lead it. Uh, and this yeah, feels like this is more than just a threat yeah, now. This yes, yeah, abso- oh, it absolutely is. Um, because it's not just about them getting control of this. It's not just about the, the money to, to, that, that lies be- beneath it. It's also actually about taking the power away from UEFA and saying, right, we control our own destiny. Um, you, know, you don't interfere on things like financial fair play. You don't interfere on the things that we're allowed to do. You do not prevent us, and I have absolutely no doubt that this will happen very, very soon from playing games in Qatar, in the US, in Japan, in, in wherever it may be. Um, and so I think this is a, a very, very, very serious threat. The question now, of course, is what happens. And what happens in terms, I think, more than anything else, of the reaction of those that this directly challenges. Yeah, I mean, we're conscious of the fact that we're recording now, and this has actually been quite a fast, sort of moving story. So by the time you're listening to this, we might have had more developments in this story. So what we have at the moment, obviously, is the the proposal. And obviously, it's been presented as not just a proposal. It's been presented as a fact. There are 12 of us, and we are going. 
and we are going and we will take three more founder members with us and that will make 15 and we will add five more that will effectively get invitations each year through domestic competition in some way. Um, the statement, as I'm sure you'll have read lots of these statements and, and some of them in terms of the use of language, I mean, the, 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 the degree of brass neckery is really quite quite something. Now, admittedly, let's not pretend that this isn't the case in football anyway. Yes. Um, and I think one of the reasons why Spanish football fans at least are uh, sort of maybe not as kind of raving about this as before is because they don't necessarily see in Rubiales and Tebas men who've tried to take games to Miami and Saudi Arabia as people who are naturally going to be their saviours in this. Do you just want to explain to maybe some of our American listeners what brass neckery means? Sorry, the the cheek, I suppose, the affront, the, the, the chutzpah, the... Um, what are the other words for it? The jeta in Spanish? The, the, all of those kind of words. Um, the... And so, so you've got this situation now in which they said, we are going, but we will continue to play domestic leagues. Now, of course, the question now is, are you? Mm. Because that decision may not be theirs. Um, the domestic leagues, how do they respond to this? And also, how do UEFA and FIFA respond to it? Now, UEFA's initial response, because, of course, it's them that's losing their very, very powerful and very lucrative yeah. competition. Yeah, yeah. Their response is... Or not. We are the, or not. We are the governing body. You cannot go. And if you do go, that's it. Your players cannot play international football. This summer, forget the Euros for any player who's at one of these 12 clubs. Um, forget the World Cup for anyone who's at one of these 12 clubs. And, and you simply will not play it. And by the way, this year's Champions League, three of the four semi-finalists would be out. So the Champions League would presumably just be gifted to Paris Saint-Germain. Now, let's see if that actually happens, because this is a very, very, very high stakes, and it's a cliche, high stakes game of poker now. Because the question is, who backs down first? Because, of course, it is in no one's interests for this to be a full breakdown of relationships, not least because it will be legally very, very complex, because it will create an enormous lack of clarity in terms of what happens next and, and, and how we manage this. Uh, and so it's 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 a game of chicken at this point. Okay. Those are some of the facts, some of what's actually happened, what mm. we expect might happen, uh, what could happen. How do you feel about this? Um, I felt weird all day today. I, yeah, I, 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 I have as well. Strange sort of feeling. I yeah. have this, and, 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 and that's absolutely right. I agree with you completely. And I sort of found it quite difficult to. I mean, this morning I was thinking, what do I? I mean, nothing I write about is going to feel, you know, my normal Monday morning. By the way, I was going to write about Gerard Moreno. I was thinking he was the, you know, at last. Let's let's give Gerard Moreno. Um, and I was thinking it sort of doesn't feel right. Um, and, and or maybe Alaves getting this win that, that mm. takes him out of the relegation zone. But it doesn't feel right. As it turned out, my newspaper actually said, "Look, we really should dedicate this the the response in Spain to the Super League." So so that kind of took the decision away from me anyway, which was probably a good thing because it was difficult to not focus on that. And you're right, all day it's felt a bit weird because it feels like the end. Now, in my optimistic moments, I feel like this doesn't change that much except to basically close off what already feels like a closed shop, but absolutely make sure of that now. So in other words, at the moment, you've got this fantastic party going on at, uh, at some hacienda in the middle of nowhere in, in, in Mexico, right. and you've got 12 incredibly rich um, guys having a great big party, okay. and no one realistically can get into it at the moment. 
But with this, they're absolutely gating it off. You can't get in. There's going to be security guards on it. No one is getting anywhere near this. And it absolutely guarantees that. It guarantees that it is these teams forever. But there's a bit of me that looked at it and thought, that may not, in practical terms, change very much if they continue to play in the domestic leagues. The domestic leagues still exist. Domestic cups still exist. The difference is that they will get more and more rich. So the chance of domestic leagues being competitive for the rest of the teams yeah. get lower and lower. That's already happening to some extent. I mean, I, I buy that. That's fine. Is that party that you mentioned in the Hacienda in the middle of Mexico? Yeah, that was a really tortured metaphor, and I apologise for strange. it. Yeah. Um, is strange. Is that as... Okay, it is clearly... Um, roped off a little bit but I mean you know you've got you've you got, can you, still get into it you yes. can still get into this it is, this is the big thing Leicester it, City are going to that yeah. party and to, West to, Ham might go to that party exactly uh, Leicester won the Premier League not long ago now in, in, in fairness that Premier League isn't this party but if Leicester are denied access to the money that this will continue to pour into the biggest clubs their chance of winning the Premier League are even lower than they were when they won it three years ago and they were already incredibly low then sorry so the party isn't the Champions League the party is the Champions League the, the Premier is the League Champions. is not the party right. though, is it yeah, yeah I realise I've really taken this <laughs> down I know so forget all of that um, but the, what it does do is it, it absolutely ring fences that it yeah. absolutely denies access to everyone else and as you say I mean to give you the best example is probably what Agnelli himself said remember that famous quote from him of course the um, CEO of of, uh, of Juventus, okay. and he said, "When was it? Four or five months ago? Is it right that Atalanta get in the Champions League off the back of one good season?" To which, of course, the answer is yes. It absolutely is right. But what this competition is going to do is make sure that doesn't happen. It is going to protect these clubs from their possible failures. It's going to protect, for example, Liverpool might not get in the Champions League this year, but if this starts next season, it doesn't matter. They're in anyway. Now, I think it's really important to point something out here. That a big part of this is American mentality. Bear in mind that you've got American owners at Manchester United. You've got American owners now at Liverpool. Um, you've got a sense that, that of looking towards America for new markets. And, of course, one of the things that happens in American top-level sport is that these are closed leagues. And I was talking to... A friend today works for one of the clubs involved in this and he, and he said, you have to remember that the part of the mindset of these guys is, why on earth would I invite upon myself the jeopardy of my enormous investment getting ruined by a bad season on the pitch? Why would I allow, and this is my personal spin on it here, sporting failure to cost me? Um, they would argue, why would I allow you know one of bad luck or whatever to cost me? Not least, of course, because they're now setting up a league in which, in theory, all the teams are in it are good. So even a team as big as, say, Real Madrid or Barcelona could go down if there was relegation. So saying no relegation. By the way, no relegation ever for the founding teams. Yeah. Right? So yeah. relegation for the five, but no relegation yeah. ever for the founding teams. So that's the, the, the big thing, if you like, that challenges the idea of sporting meritocracy or, or just the, the kind of the principles, if you like, of a pyramid. Now, a pyramid is difficult enough anyway, but this is literally... Right, uh, it's not literally, it's very much metaphorically. <laughs> it's drawing up the drawbridge, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's saying, right, you're not getting in now. Castle would have been such a better metaphor at the start of this whole yeah. thing. If I'd gone for Castle... Hacienda why did I go for Hacienda? I, I, I think it's because I had this sort of... I don't know, I had this kind of Netflixy sort of image of, yeah. of, of super glamorous sort of ultra, you know, piles of money everywhere. Yeah. I don't know why. It was misplaced. Yeah, it was yeah. very misplaced. I apologise. Have you been surprised by the people's reaction here in Spain? Yes. 
it's been a little bit different to what I've said since it's been in the UK. Yes, I have. Um, and I've been trying to get a handle on this, as you know, because we've been talking about it just before we um, came on air, because mm. um, basically I'll, I'll explain to the listeners, I was sort of saying to you, tell me I'm not talking bollocks here as <laughs> of what I'm writing. Um, and I felt like one of the things that really has struck me in this is how much of the reaction to this in Spain, and there has been a huge amount of reaction in terms of mm. the volume, mm. and even in terms of the volume, as uh, uh, in terms of how loud it is as well. Yes. But if you look at, for example, the live blogs um, on reaction coming in around the world to the European Super League on Marca and As, which are the two best-selling sports papers in Spain, huge amount of it is coming from England. Huge amount of it. Look what they're saying. Yeah. Look how angry they're getting. Look at the video of Carragher. Look at the video of Gary Neville. Look at the video of Real Oviedo legend Stan Collymore. Look at, look at these guys respond. Where's the player's voice in Spain? Mm-hmm. Where's the player saying, I don't like this? The only one we've seen is Ander Herrera, who plays in France with PSG, who, by the way, are not on board yet. Now, not to say they won't be, but they're not on board yet. There doesn't seem to have been... There have been a couple of editorials that have been very critical, but there hasn't been this kind of unanimous sense of this is a terrible thing. Now, in part, maybe it's because a lot of them look at it from one of two points of view. One, the one that I've already said, that optimistic thing of, well, all this really does enshrine is enshrine what we've already got. The league will carry on. These teams will play in Europe. Europe will be a few more games or a lot more games. They'll get a bit richer. But, you know, we'll just kind of still be what we are. And it's possible that we don't get very far away from what we are. I mean, I think obviously the long-term trend will be, a, a, you know, a, a complete domination of money by those clubs. Although it'd be very interesting to see how Real Madrid feel about being a mid-table team for sort of ten years in a row. If it happens, I'm not saying it will, or if it happens to Atletico or to Juventus or whoever it may be. That's one possibility. Um, the the other possibility I think is um, that they just think this actually won't happen. That there's still that sense that look, this poker game has still got to be played out. This won't happen. They will be pulled back from the brink and so on. But having said those two possibilities, which I think condition the response, I also think there is another element to this, perhaps Mm. a a third way of looking at it, which is, and how do I put this politely? They don't care. Mm. I think a lot of people in Spain don't care. Now, the reason for that is, I think there's many reasons. I think, look, most people do. Most people aren't particularly enamoured with this. Most people aren't particularly happy. But I don't think it's had the same furious backlash. Now, on one level, perhaps that's because in England we've over-exaggerated. We've over-reacted to this. That's possible. I think it's also because that sense of inequality, that sense of these two teams, and I realise that Atletico are a loose element in this, which don't necessarily fit the narrative as well as we'd like them to. These two teams, because we tend to talk about Madrid and Barca, well, this happens anyway. We're used to this. Mm. I'll let them go. Mm. Or if not, let them go. Well, it's just what they are. That's from the point of view of those who don't support them. And I think from the point of view of those those who do support them, and I think I would be right in saying, but I realise this is a reach, possibly more so at Real Madrid. I think there is a, a, a sense of, well, no, we're the big club. Why should we keep sharing with these guys? Why shouldn't we go off and do something bigger? Why shouldn't we seek out bigger games? And I but, think that attitude is much more prevalent, for example, among Real Madrid fans than it is, and Barcelona fans, but I think more Real Madrid fans, than it is amongst Liverpool and Man United fans, for example. This collective backlash from fans groups that support Liverpool and Manchester United, I don't think we're going to see that in Spain from Madrid fans or Barca fans. I really don't. No, absolutely not. And there's also another uh, aspect to this from, from Real Madrid fans, who, the people that I've, I've spoken to. Some of them actually want this. And they actually want this because they've convinced themselves that there is some kind of 
conspiracy uh, yeah. against them in terms of referees. I think I think this, this is one of the. I think this is a very interesting element of this. I mean, let me start by saying it's total bollocks, right? Let me let me put that out there at the very start. But I think it's an interesting element of this, and I think it tells you something about the, if you like, the construction of a kind of conspiratorial storyline. I think it tells you something about power structures as well, and I think those power structures are very important. And I think it tells you something about the the way in which uh, Florentino Perez, as president, has moved in this. Um, and I think much more so than Barcelona, by the way, because they've been active. Florentino has pushed this through in a way that it's felt like Bar- Bartomeu has followed. Florentino has led, and, and Florentino is the big with with Agnelli and with the Glazers is the big big mover in this um more more than anyone else there are there are others who've obviously played big roles but those three groups if you like madrid manchester united juventus are the big movers in this and i think what you get with this is there's a number of things number one is as you say there is that sort of thing of la liga is a product that is broadcast to us and brought to us by media pro which is a catalan company now i I, as i say i think this is nonsense but this is built into the conspiratorial mindset if you like that we don't control it. And that's a big thing here. We don't control it. Florentino will be the president of this new league. That UEFA haven't always allowed us to do what we wanted to do. We haven't been allowed to buy the players that we wanted to play. We've had um, financial fair play restrictions put upon us. We wanted to sign Ember Pay, but they're telling us we can't. Well, why can't we? You know, this is what we do. This is what we want. There is another element to this, and I think this is really important. La Liga has tried very, very hard in the last, what would you say, six years or so, to broaden the league out, knowing yes. that and it's, there's a contradiction here, because as I've said, I think one of the reasons why other fans are fatalistic about this and just kind of let it go mm. is partly because they think, well, Madrid and Barcelona dominate anyway, Sodom, they're in control, well, let them go then. But actually, the contradiction is that La Liga has tried to break that. And that has involved, for example, centralised TV rights and a reduction in the proportion of money that Madrid and Barcelona get, while enshrining inequality, because it's still giving them more than everyone else, because of the way that the criteria was built, it denied them that 10 or 12 or even 13-fold advantage over the teams at the bottom of the table in terms of financial money. Now, this is a really important detail, I think, that is worth noting. For that to happen, mm. they had to seek the support of Miguel Cardenal, who at the time was the head of the CSD, the Consejo Superior de Deportes, effectively the sports ministry in Spain, to force this through in government. In other words, to enshrine in law, law. the collective bargaining of the TV rights. And I remember having a conversation with Tebas about this and saying to him, well, why didn't you just do it anyway? Why does it need to be in law? And him not, sort of refusing to say, because if we don't put it in law, at some point this lot will break it. And so essentially you force Madrid and Barcelona to accept that because you're trying to redistribute the wealth a little bit. Not very much. Nowhere near as much as the Premier League, for example, but a bit. And I think at that point you get less so Barcelona a little bit, but you certainly get Barcelona and Madrid, and in particular Madrid, saying, well, well, why should Elche get 40 million? We're the ones that drive this. And in a way, this comes down to a very basic conceptualisation of market strength, market power, what sport is there for, what your role is, whether you should be benefiting the smaller clubs or whether it's for you, whether the smaller clubs, to put it from a, a Florentinista point of view, should be benefiting from our hard work, from the fact that they fill their ground when we come, from the fact that they get these TV rights because we play them, from the fact that they're only big because of us. Um, and so you get that sort of imbalance. And in that scenario, in that whole environment, Real Madrid and, again in part Barcelona and of course Atletico Madrid in part in this is just like well if they're going and they're going to let us in we, we're going too 
because why would we, you know, miss out on this? And well, no they, one could, be, they could stay. They could they stay. stay and they could stay and dominate team. here, yeah. yeah. But no one wants to miss out on this. That's the other yeah. thing in all of this. And we should remember this. Sevilla will come out and criticise this probably at some point. Valencia already have. But if they'd been invited to it, maybe their attitudes would be different. Maybe not. I, I, I don't know for sure. So I think you've got a situation in which these clubs think, well, we're not in control of this anymore. They're doing things we don't like. So we want to get this league because it's richer, because it's more lucrative, because it's got backing, because it makes it more international, because make no mistake, games will be played all around the world. Um, they will be allowed, clubs will be allowed. Have you to... heard something? No, but... You, you, actually, okay, because absolute... you keep saying that. You no, said that to me this morning There's as well. absolutely no doubt that doesn't happen. You're convinced. Uh, absolutely, yeah. 100% convinced. Uh, even if it's not the regular season games, maybe the playoffs get played abroad. Right. Maybe the final gets played abroad. For what it's worth, I think in the next 10 years we would have had a Champions League final in New York anyway. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was going to happen. Um, and so you get this scenario where it's beneficial in those ways, but it's also we take the power back. Mm. We do this. This is us. We're in charge now. The problem is, of course, the league, let's not forget the league is a, is a confederation of clubs. Admittedly, the second division clubs have the same voice as all the first division ones. But the league is a confederation of clubs. This will be a confederation of clubs. What happens when those 12 founder clubs start to fall out with each other? What happens when Arsenal think, actually, yeah, I don't much like this? <laughs> or Spurs think we're being a bit Spursy here? <laughs> yeah, what happens at that point? Hmm. Obviously, you are a supporter uh, of a smaller club here in Spain. Yeah. How worried are you for Ray Lovieva? What this might mean for clubs like them and, and, and this other is, clubs? This is a very good question. And this is where, earlier on, we mentioned the optimistic point of view. My optimistic point of view of this was, maybe this doesn't impact that heavily on the domestic league. No? But then I thought, here's the two scenarios. The one scenario is these teams get to stay. So they get to have their cake and eat it, to use the cliche. Right? right. Which is what they're saying at the moment. And there must be a bit of the people who run the league on a point of principle, think, no, you know what, sod off. You don't want to be in it? Yeah. Go. You're not, you're not getting to play here and go off over there. But, of course, at the same time, those clubs are thinking, our league, and this is a reality, and this is where Real Madrid's attitude and Barcelona's attitude and Atletico's attitude is entirely understandable. They're thinking, yeah, good luck without us. What kind of product have you got? So there's two scenarios. One is they stay, and the imbalance gets such that the league loses its strength because it's eclipsed by the bigger league, which it already is a bit by the Champions League, and not only that, but the, the, if you like, the internal competition is lower because these teams will be so much more powerful because they're additional European or indeed world money. That's one scenario and that will damage all the way through. Mm. But maybe for teams in the second division, it doesn't matter enormously. Although, you know, part of what you go into the first division for, you get into European football, that's exciting. It keeps things moving. That will be denied to them. Because one thing that's worth pointing out here, five well, teams will get in this league each year. I'm right? sure 35 I, teams get into the Champions League as it currently stands. It's totally different. I'm sure there'd be a, a different European competition for that's true. There will be yes, there will be there'll be like a European second tier competition of some yeah. sort. Yes, so that's that that thing. The other possibility, of course, is that they aren't in this league, and the money plummets. And of course, that's what the big clubs know. The money will plummet, and this is why. While I can, from a kind of if you like a moral standpoint, I realise an exaggerated moral standpoint. I can think, oh, it's terrible. Get rid of them. Absolutely don't get rid of them. And, and of course, this is a reality. We know this. This is market forces. This is, this is a reality here. And which is why I think at some point UEFA will cave in. And why I think at some point the domestic leagues will cave in. The domestic league that I have doubts about is the Premier League. Because I think Spain can't afford to live without these teams. Hmm. I think the Premier League might wonder if it could just about get away with it. Even though it's six of them, and of course, which makes it a bigger impact than these ones. I wonder if the Premier League thinks there's enough 
fan base, at least nationally, to be able to survive this? What if the six in the Premier League find another 14 teams to join exactly. a little breakaway exactly. well, Premier that's, League of their own? And that's the other thing. Exactly. What, at, what point does this, <laughs> at what point does this fracture splinter into yeah. lots of other things? Because, of course, that's the other part of this, is that those teams at the moment, the Premier League ones, cannot afford to leave the Premier League behind. They need this and the Premier League. But as you say, what if the Premier League plays absolutely hardball? How far do these teams push? How far can they push? At what point do they back down? I think some sort of compromise will probably be reached at which m- these big, big clubs will get almost all of what they want. Mm. Maybe not all, 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 but almost all of what they want. And of course, this is, um, to use sort of another metaphor, this has been kind of appeasement all the way along. Give them a bit in the Champions League, give them a bit in the Champions League. But what we've seen is then it's never enough. There will always be, be a desire for more. Because that's the nature of if you like, um, incremental capitalism. It's the nature of, of, of wanting to be bigger all the time. Uh, my mate Dan, who um, occasionally listens to the podcast and is always extremely cynical when I speak to him about these kind of things, he was like, well, eh, this was always coming. This was going to happen anyway, you know. Now we get to see the best teams in the world play each other. He lives in New York, by the way. Mm. We're going to see the best teams in the world yeah. play each other. You know, might even get a half-time show. It'll be great. Stop moaning. The tradition's gone in football anyway. Just move with the times. That That is an argument that a lot of people give. And actually, there is a certain degree of logic to that. Of course, on the face of it, you think it is quite attractive for... Every game that Real Madrid, let's again just because we are, let's look at it from a Real Madrid perspective or a Barcelona perspective. Yeah. Every game, or, or even Atletico. Sorry, apologies because I keep on leaving them out. It's not really my intention, but you know, in terms of the power block, it feels like they're slightly different. From their point of view, actually, maybe even more so from Atletico's point of view, the idea that every game is a big game. Yeah. Whereas right now, you know, a bar maybe isn't, and all the rest of it. Now, first of all, I think there is an argument that just says, well, that's just a bastardization of sporting principles. Mm first and foremost but actually so what it's another competition that's fine okay I understand that um, the, the question I suppose is at what point do those games stop feeling like big games mm. because they're in a league and maybe the team that they're playing definitely isn't going to get in the playoffs and is no longer that bothered when you go away to play Spurs and your Juventus say if you and Spurs are now definitely not getting the playoffs, does that still feel like a big game? Now, obviously, this is an argument, a question, by the way, actually for some of our American listeners to tell us. In the regular season, when a basketball team or a baseball team or an American football team isn't going to get in the playoffs, do those games feel dead or do they hold up on their own merit? Do they still feel like something big enough? One of the doubts I have with the American model is, of course, that most of these American sports... While they have an international presence, and of course we've seen American football games played in London, for example, they are sports played in America. They're not global sports in quite the same way. So I don't know if this can be fully applied in quite the same way. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, I do. I absolutely understand the idea that, in theory, this is a better game and we have more better games. But at what point does it stop being a better game? And obviously the other thing is, what about the damage of the clubs you leave behind? And, and of course, that's the other thing. You can say, yeah, this product's going to be great. And to be honest with you, I think it probably will be. And this is one of the arguments I've had before with the Champions League. We complain a lot about Champions League and lots of people are very traditional about it. And I actually am not in this sense, but I, I, I sort of broadly understand the argument. Uh, but it's not the same since it's stopping the European Cup, since you know teams who aren't the champions getting the same. Yeah, but it's a much better competition. Yeah. And it's really good, and we still got our domestic leagues, and our domestic leagues still feel really worthwhile. In fact, qualification for the Champions League feels like a part of it, yeah. and it's very exciting. But of course, yeah. underneath the surface, 
we have diminished more and more and more and more and more the competitiveness of our domestic leagues to do this. And this would be another step again. And not only that, as I say, it would be bringing the drawbridge up, saying, right, you're not getting in. Are you sad or excited? Oh, I'm definitely not excited. No. I don't know if I'm outright sad. I'm, I'm irritated by the mindsets behind it. Uh-huh. But I'm also realistic enough to know, let's not pretend that this is romantics against cynics because let's not pretend that the Premier League wasn't driven by money. That was a breakaway league as well, by the way. Let's not forget this. The Premier League was a breakaway league. Admittedly, it was a breakaway league that continued to allow for relegations, for promotions that was completely open. So I don't know if sad is the word. Sort of affected, I suppose. And, And... Nervous about what it means. Nervous about what it means from a purely selfish point of view. And again, look, here we go. We're talking about interests. My personal interests. Our personal interests. What does it mean for the other clubs in Spain? What does it mean for what we do? Do we just cover Madrid and Barcelona and Atletico when they play in this European competition? And do we forget about those teams that we've really embraced? Of course we bloody don't, Sid. But at what point does this competition become so diminished that it feels like you almost have to? We will keep it alive. We will not diminish it. Yeah, we will I give it. I, I, I realise that today we haven't spoken about any other teams at all, and we've just spoken about. But that's about because this. this, in a way, is talking about those other teams. Bear in mind, this whole thing isn't about Madrid, Atletico, and Barcelona. It's about everyone. It's about what it does to the whole thing. Hmm. We will keep it alive. Whatever happens, we will cover Spanish football. We will be here um, until we go to Uruguay. Until we go to Uruguay, <laughs> and then and then we won't. But that's that, that. That's a while off at the moment. Although maybe ever. Edging, edging ever closer. <laughs> um, listen, uh, we said we were going to focus on the, the Super League on today's show, and we have. Before we go, we're going to give you the results from the weekend. It was a brilliant weekend in La Liga. We also had the Copa del Rey final as well. Barcelona winning the 31st Copa del Rey. Sydney was there. They beat Athletic 4-0. Messi scored one of the best goals of all time. We should have been talking about that. We should have been talking about... Other games that happened in, in La Liga, Osasuna beat Elche 2-0, Sevilla beating Real Sociedad by two goals good game to one. As well, that one. Good really game. They're yeah. in the title race, Sevilla. They're only yeah, six they might goals well off top. They're still they're there, man. Well they're, they're actually top, aren't they? They're top. Well if Atletico Barcelona and Real Madrid are being they're, thrown out they're, tomorrow, they're, they're miles, Sevilla are top of the league. They're miles clear, top of the league. Alaves with a huge win beating Wesker by a goal to nil. Really, really needed that. Atleti thrashing Abar 5-0. Betis and Valencia playing out a 2-2 draw. Cadiz and Celta 0-0. Getafe, Real Madrid 0-0. That wasn't great. <laughs> and uh, Villarreal spanking Levante 5-1. Gerard Moreno uh, scoring again. Brilliant goals from him. I, I was thinking about Gerard Moreno last night. And, and just I'll say this were. briefly. I realise that of course we've, 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 we've not got that long because we've spent so much on, on the rest of it. Gerard Moreno is such a strange footballer. He doesn't feel like a footballer who's attractive. He's not elegant. He's not quick. Quite like his hair. He's not. He's not strong. What I mean is, yeah. he's not someone who sort of draws you in. But bloody hell, he can play. I don't know. He doesn't draw you in. He, I think he can do absolutely everything. Yeah, so do I. But do you not think he's not? He's not sort of an aesthetically pleasing footballer in some ways. Oh, I think he is. Oh, I'm glad. I okay, because I think he is. But I feel like I'm a strange, strange yeah. thing. I feel he sort of moves in a way that sometimes looks clunky. All right, it might look a bit clunky. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean that's what I mean. Touch. But he's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's absolutely brilliant. Anyway, look more Gerard Moreno chat on uh, the Q and A pod tomorrow. We've also got a full round of midweek fixtures as well uh, coming up uh, on Wednesday and Thursday. You've got Levante against Sevilla. Osasuna Valencia, Betis Athletic, Alaves Villarreal, Elche Valladolid and Cadiz against Real Madrid. Remember Cadiz who beat Real Madrid earlier this season and have taken four points of Barcelona this season as well. Then on Thursday, Atleti against Huesca, Granada, Eibar, La Real, Celta and Barca against Getafe. Uh, Join us then for the Q&A pod tomorrow. 
at um, patreon.com forward slash TSFP. There's a bonus pod as well coming up uh, this week for patrons. Plus, we'll have a new uh, episode of TSFP Presents Sliding Doors. We didn't do one last week, so we're due one this week, and it will be a good one. We promise we will keep covering Spanish football, whatever form uh, it takes over the it's next the year It's the what-if so. episode. Uh, sliding Doors is what-if, so yeah. what if these teams leave? Well, let's not do that. Let's not. We'll do just that. depress ourselves, won't we? Let's not do that. We'll find something uh, a bit more uplifting uh, to talk about. So make sure you join us at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. There's loads and loads of bonus content there. There's hours and hours of archive content uh, as well there to keep you entertained. So yeah, come and join us. If not, we'll be here as we are every Monday. Adios. Cheerio. Network.